but like the more the older I get to realize we were an exception because he taught me at a very early age these are not toys when you're angry you do not pick these up and, and like he took me hunting I saw what guns did like it's like I, I, I remember how I knew I was not a gun person and he knew too he gave me like this little this little firearm and there's a there's a rabbit running off and he's like go ahead shoot him and like I'm just crying just oh. shooting off like I think I was seven eight years old and it's like it was at that point where it's like oh I'm a gatherer now I'm not a hunter um I'll, I'll go pick up seeds and nuts and things but like the shoots and leaves and yeah yeah I think it like berries. in in the in the if we were living in in uh, olden times I would probably be like a trapper like where I didn't have to be directly yeah. involved you just go but just set stuff. up a little thing I'll come back later it's it'll be dead already like that kind of deal like i just i you know i'll take it to the butcher guy the butcher guy will take care of it i'll just be the trapper guy but like i just don't uh like i it never interested me and i just never really saw a a need for uh participating in in u.s gun culture like one welcome back this is uh, season three of Shooting the Breeze. And today my guest is Lorenzo Patino. And uh, Lorenzo is a comic uh, based out of Ottawa. And he's also co-host, co-producer of uh, Trevor's Pad Pandemic Live, uh, Pandemic Prime Live, from Pandemic Live Prime Time. Who Jeez. even knows what the name is anymore? <laughs> Trevor's Pad. <laughs> yeah. So welcome to the show, Lorenzo. Thank you, Simone. Thank you. <laughs> How have you been? I've been okay. It's yeah. been, uh, um, you know, all of this is weighing on me more than uh, it did even just a couple months ago. It's like the, 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 I don't know. I told a friend the other day, she's like, well, how are you feeling? And I'm like, despair is like the best word I can yeah. think. Like, it's just really like, it's, it's depression, sure, there's anxiety, but like just that old classic Victorian concept of despair is like such a like, you know, like I know there's light at the end of the tunnel, like I see like what's happening, um, like I'm from the States originally and so all my family's uh, pretty much there and like pretty much everyone, like I, I'm gonna be 40 in July and pretty much every, all my cousins my age, even some younger than me are all at least first dose. Um, and everyone older than me is all completely vaccinated. And so it's, it's nice. Like, um, like I, I, I think you might've saw on Facebook in January, I lost, uh, my cousin who yes, is he's, he's yes. 60 years old, um, of COVID. Um, and, uh, luckily, hopefully nobody else, but, uh, you know, um, it's just, uh, it's like, I, I feel like it's going to be maybe the fall like I think this summer will be better uh, than it is right now but it's just like I, I I'm hoping that maybe by Christmas and by New Year's it'll be like you know what we're turning a page on all this but like yeah I, I, so. I don't know still like with with the variants and like uh, you never know and I like even uh, something I wanted to say yesterday on the Trevor's Pad show was how uh, had we known how good we had it last summer like you know what I mean like yeah. that we really should have just like lived it up because you know, now it's like, 
maybe Canada Day will open up again like we did last summer, but who knows? But so in short, I'm doing great, Simone. <laughs> Just great. But I think despair, like that's the first time I've heard it described that way. And I think that's that's a very accurate description because it's like, like you said, we know there's the the end, there's the light at the end of the tunnel. It's just the tunnel seems the light seems to be moving all the time. Right. And yeah. And and it you feels see like we're we're like in worse, we're in a worse state than we were last year for some reason. Well, and, and also like it's hard not to see what's going on in other countries yes. and like be immune to feeling like I see people going out for dinner in New York and Florida and Tennessee, wherever, but then you look at what's happening in India or Brazil. And it's just like exactly. there's so much like D despair grief yes. and and horribleness and like uh suffering yeah. suffering yeah and it's it's hard because it's like you you know um we're very fortunate to have even just the hope of vaccines coming soon um based on just where we live and the life choices our ancestors made so it's mm -hmm. like it's it's nice that we have that but um it's uh yeah it's, you have an appointment have you have you managed to get an appointment no i i have not looked as hard as i should have i'm kind of uh as i said on the sh trevor's pad last night when then everyone gave me uh uh are we allowed to swear on this or, oh, or yeah, yes yeah. okay so everyone gave me shit for it in the, the chat of like i'd want i want to get the pfizer or the moderna i don't really want to get the astrazeneca and everyone's like oh you shouldn't do so i'm like okay all right um but I'm also nervous because uh, I work for an employer that has been very insistent on having people in the office. Mm. And I have a feeling that if I got the first dose and I made them aware that I had the first dose, even though I think it's illegal for them to ask me, but like, yeah, especially I, if there's a stay at home order. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't think they would do it right now, but I'm just like thinking the minute that stay at home order opens up, they'd be like, Oh, you got your first dose. You can come into the office again. And I'm just like, you know, yeah. like, wh why, why take these risks? Um, I mean, I've been looking for another job since January because of their attitude with COVID and I haven't had a, an offer I've really liked yet, mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, that's another reason why I'm like not rushing into getting it, not because I don't want to get it or don't believe it. So it's just like, also like I'm working from home for the most part and like right. the kids are home. So like, I, uh, I'm not going to be a, a Trevor Thompson and take it from a vulnerable person that, that needs it. <laughs> but like, uh, you know, like also like it, I, I'll, I'll get to it. I'll get to it probably. Mm -hmm. um, once I hear they're starting to be a little bit more available, I feel like we're going to get like, they're talking the way the Pfizer shots are rolling in. It uh, seems like we're going to have, more availability of those uh within the coming weeks like two million a week so hopefully oh, that's um good. yeah i i feel like may is going to be the deciding month of like how the next four months are going to go so yeah um, because on um a few days ago i saw on cbc they didn't specify which vaccine but they had said that all and anyone over the age of 18 will be eligible for the virus by the end of May. Yeah, I, I, I'm assuming that's because of the Pfizer shipments. Like we're still, I think we're getting reduced Moderna shipments. Uh, we got some Johnson and Johnson one, even though they're kind of sitting on those right now. And I think we're getting some AstraZeneca, but like the Pfizer ones are so above what we thought we were gonna get that they're like, oh, well, we could start opening this up a lot more. So, um, I mean, I hope, I hope it's, uh, um, 
yeah i hope we're able to turn that corner but like it, mm-hmm. I, it seems like the levels are going down here in ottawa but like um toronto is just yeah. uh, appeal it's like really like those like i i've uh well here i'll I have I have another story for you, but I okay. if if you wanted if you want to talk about Trevor's pad, do you want to talk about Trevor's pad? We can talk about anything you want. Sure. Uh, you want. <laughs> so I was thinking of like like because how you're doing this and how um, when we first talked, I think it was last year around this time, maybe a little bit before when, um, and I just wanted to give some context for you. So uh, like how I got involved in Trevor's pad, I'll tell you a little story about that. So. Um, Trevor Thompson, who you've had on the show, um, he is a a technologically impaired person in that he does not know how to use most things. He's the kind of guy who, um, when I I went over in the early days of the pandemic with like a mask and everything to like troubleshoot what he was doing. And he like had all these tabs open and he's like, yeah, I can't close those. I'm just like, what? Like, why can't you? Oh, He's like, yeah, my computer's running. So I'm like, do you think it's because of the tabs you have? But anyway, exactly. Yeah. He's one of those people. So um, once the pandemic started, and I think it was day three or something like that of the lockdown, he was doing his shows. And like, I noticed third episode in, he's like filming sideways and like does the whole thing sideways. I'm just like, (laughs) I'm just like, Trevor, let me, let me help you. So it took about a month of like, troubleshooting how to do it like I never live streamed before uh or or done anything like that so I had actually tried to set Trevor up the summer before of 2019 with um like a camera and everything because I thought Trevor you like the way you do rants about politics and stuff like this is what people on YouTube are doing and they're making like thousands of dollars and he's like oh well I don't know what anyone want you know and then so he did a few and like I showed him how to like have a window open to like show the story and like him talking just just a, a basic basic setup and he got it a little bit but then like you know he doesn't understand that you have to build a brand and it takes a while so uh I think he's starting to get that a year in now to Trevor's bad <laughs> but he uh he he just uh gave up on it he he didn't really want to um pursue it so you can actually still watch the youtube videos they're there on his trevor's pad uh thing you can you can look at them but he i'm hoping i'm hoping that when this is all over because i know the 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 twitch show probably won't go on forever maybe it'll be like a once a week thing or something Mm -hmm. like that but he uh uh he should keep doing those because he's got a unique voice for that um definitely but uh so when you and I first met was uh, you and a couple other people had like all texted me around the same time asking me, how do you do live streams? And I was like, (laughs) and I was like, and to give context uh, of where I was emotionally at that time, I was helping uh, uh, Trevor, who's very difficult to deal with, comes to technology and live streaming (laughs) with him at the time, two children, uh, which are also around the same level of maturity as Trevor. So it was like <laughs> them. I was dealing with them. I was also in school full time and everything had just shifted online. I was also working full time wow. uh, and everything had shifted online. So I was like, Drowning. I had, I, 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 yeah, like it was not like now I feel despair. Back then it was like, I was just like, 
running survival on survival mode yeah pr pretty much like a, a, just adrenaline alcohol and and uh rage was fueling <laughs> me so like when people were asking me that that's when i did my i did for those who are not comedians that don't have access to the ottawa comedy boards i did a very snippy post of like please don't ask me i don't have time for this figure it out was essentially what i said because and also that's kind of what i was doing like even then i i had some knowledge to impart but i've even changed how we've done the show um since then so it's like uh so i apologize um i <laughs> it's okay i i have a very um because uh, i had asked trevor and yeah, he was like i don't do it lorenzo does it ask him and then i asked you and then i was like yipe, yipe, yipe. <laughs> like, yeah i i okay. i have a very um <laughs> I don't know about what it is about my personality. Like I, I have a very, um, I can be very kind. I can also be very direct um, and very uh, abrasive when I'm not in a good mood. But my directness is something I have found in Canada is not necessarily appreciated as much. Um, like I noticed this even working at the, I worked at the courthouse here in Ottawa for six years and uh, it was commented on a lot about how uh people would get offended and they're they they'd get defensive when i was just like no you can't do this you're doing this wrong you're doing this wrong you're doing that wrong you need to do this that and the other and it was just like oh my god but like because because <laughs> you know you probably know this canadians hedge a lot and they yeah. they're very uh i have a joke that i i used to do this i don't really do it anymore but i should bring it back because it's true Canadians uh, don't um, I don't think you guys are as polite as every as Americans think you are I think you guys are just extremely passive aggressive <laughs> and we're too stupid to clue in on that like that's that's what I think it is it's like uh, we don't know we don't know that you guys fucking hate us it's just like we just think like oh well that's that's nice they're being kind so like yeah just uh, put your shit wherever eh? and it's like oh okay all right I'll put it there but like that that Except kind of there. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah not there oh Anywhere yeah great there. <laughs> that's great but yeah I, I kind of feel like uh sometimes when i when i get very like you know um that aspect of my personality comes out it gets uh either interpreted the wrong way or like in the situation where i was being i was at the end of my rope it, it, it rightly is interpreted as he's being very aggressive <laughs> and uh he needs to dial because i also didn't know you I also right yeah we had you. never like met it, like if i wrote you something today and you replied like that i'd be like okay no big deal because i know right. you right yeah you know? which yeah is, and, which is a big difference this is the thing that's surprising to me even now is there's people who i've known for years that that are comedians that i have roasted i would say lightly on trevor's pad that have just up and defriended me uh, and cut all ties with me on Facebook and social media. And it's like, really? uh, yeah. And some of them in fairness, the ones I do appreciate also cut ties with Trevor and Tavis. Cause they also joined in on it too. But it's like, some of them just, it's like just me. And I'm just like, well, like, you know, I'm not the only one doing the show yeah. and like, but also like comedians, uh, you're supposed to have a thicker skin when we're talking to each other. Um, like that's why Mike and I get along so well is Mike and I, Mike Tamafi for, for comedians who don't know, we, uh, we roast the hell out of each other. And that's mm -hmm. kind of where we built our friendship is um, 
I mean, I, I don't know about you, but like part of why I developed my sense of humor is because I was bullied uh, a oh, lot. Oh, me too. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of seems to be the, the origin story of most Yeah, of like some sort comedians. of childhood trauma. Yeah. 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 The, the joke I have is that we're all like Batman, but much uh, less useful to society. Um, like, you know, we all have that, that, that tragic event that brought us into this horrible world of seeking validation from strangers. But, um, uh, but at the, at the same time, there's also usually some level of bullying in our childhood as well that, that goes along with that traumatic event. So mm -hmm. Mike had that Mike's also like six foot four and 200 and something pounds. So I don't think he was bullied that much <laughs> in terms of <laughs> how I was, but like, uh, but just that, like, when you meet someone who can like take it and give it back to you and Mike can be emotionally devastating when he wants to be um, <laughs> not just his horrible roast jokes, but he, uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was just, it's been surprising to me, like how many friendships I've lost uh, with comedians through the pandemic. And I, I get it. Like we're not all in the best mental state right mm -hmm. now. We're not all, uh, uh mentally whole people to begin with so like i i completely understand why um some people don't want to have that conversation with me of like hey you know you said something that really made me upset uh or in allow me a chance to explain like there was somebody that i uh encouraged when she first started stand up and was very supportive of her and then i just look one day and we're not friends anymore and i'm just like wow okay and i know exactly why uh, but it's just like, I, I was just, it hurt a lot. Cause it's like, you know, you could at least give me a, a conversation. Like, about yeah, it. yeah. Like just, just, just say, Hey, you really hurt me or that really offended me. And I, I know, I know what it was that we talked about on Trevor's pad that made her so upset. Um, I, I would explain to her why that, that we were making, making fun of that specific topic. But anyway, um, I, I'm, I know she watches this and I, I'm, I'm guessing if you'd like to talk, I'd be open to that. I am sorry that the friendship, uh, ended and, uh, yeah. So, but moving on from there, um, yeah, it, it, it's been, so Trevor's pad, uh, to get back to that, we were doing it like every day, those first two months yeah, and like we were, that. we were all burning out. Um, yeah. Cause yeah, because that was a grueling schedule that you guys did every day for. Well, we were trying to keep it going because we had like right that first week, we had 100 something people watching, like 120, 130 mm. people nuts. So we're like, we got to keep doing it. Like yeah. we got to keep doing it to keep the audience. And then, you know, it, it naturally started to drop off. Other people started figuring out streaming. Um, people were doing other things. The weather started to get nicer. Yeah. So we, we may even dial it back a little bit more over the summer. Uh, if the clubs open up again, we might just do it Tuesdays. I don't we, like, we'll talk like yeah. and figure it out. But, um, and then we just kind of figured the, uh, I think we're doing like three days and then we just kind of two days and then we stopped in July and then we booted up again in October for that other lockdown. And I, that's like, I'm trying to think of like a good, everyone shits on the wire season two, but I love the wire season two. So I won't say it's like the wire season two. I'll say it's like season four. Cause I didn't like season four, but it's like that, that like season where like things, no one's really his, their hearts into it. And like, we were doing it, but like Trevor the whole time was complaining about like, oh, I don't want to, why are we close? You, you know, shocker. Um, 
but then like towards Christmas, like I finished my program finally, like in December. And uh, so I was like, well, I'm going to have more free time. Um, and then he's kind of like, well, maybe we should start doing it again. I'm like, okay, like, are you going to ask? So then we did the Christmas show. Then we did the new year show. And then it's like, well, the new let's... Show was fun. The new year show was great. Was I, great. I had a really fun time. And I then he's like, too let's let's do it again so i'm like okay so now we're doing it tuesdays and fridays and when everything opened up again in february we we're all we we're all talking like there's no way there's no way this is gonna last like this is ridiculous let's, let's just keep doing the show and and if we need to reschedule some nights uh there was like the one night where he's like running back from absolute on a friday to do the oh, show yeah. <laughs> yes. and i'm like you know trevor we can just do the show like tavis and i like i can do the monologue and and like pretend to be you and that'll be a joke no 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 and then <laughs> that even happened you saw we did the show last friday he there He's he had, the, Ast from he had the astrazeneca uh shot the day before he did it from bed and tavis <laughs> and i are just like you know i can do the show and he's like no no because like, he's like i said i do it and then he lies down yeah exactly it was <laughs> you know consummate performer but uh he uh he just would not uh not let me have that, that spotlight so uh but i mean i i i have started my own stream of uh uh embarrassing humans um on twitch and facebook if you want to follow it's a and what's uh, that about so yeah that when did you start comedy that was in 2019 yes yeah, september 2019 okay so that was uh so it my it was this idea i had back in and the first show was in 2018 the fall of 2018 um and you're you're familiar with mr ben hagel the, yes. the uh, fallen angel of Ottawa comedy. But he, uh, when I first started doing comedy in 2016, he was like at the peak of his game. Like I, I Ben could light up a room, uh, club, open mic. He just was like, the awkwardness was amazing to watch. Um, and then like literally all my big breaks in comedy have come from him, his decline. <laughs> it's just like he he like literally like he uh he was supposed to be in the cracking up the capital competition in 2018 and he was this was this pattern that was repeating with him where he would just drop out at the last minute and so howard called me up on uh that day and he's like do you want to be in the competition tonight and i'm like yeah. i'm like okay and then i found out it was ben that dropped out so i'm like all right and then I go and I ended up getting to the finals of the, the like I was two years into comedy at this point and I ended up getting to the finals of the, the Cracking Up the Capital competition. This wow. was back before they opened, before they closed it off to people over 30. Um, but it was- It's closed off They just, that's, that's what they did in 2019. They did like an under 30 uh, competition and they like of Ottawa comics and then Harrison Weinrub from Montreal ended up winning it. So that was- <laughs> You know, I, I mean, I, I get what they were trying to do is like bring some youth and up and comers mm -hmm. in it. Um, but like still, it's like, you know, so not all of us come into this when we're kids. Like exactly. some of us come into this as, as scarred a, and broken grown. adults. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, uh, but like my, my point is that like Ben and I have a good relationship and we've talked a lot. And uh, when we were first like getting to know each other and talking and he, you know, comics hang out after shows in pre-COVID times. One time he came up to us and it was a group of comics sitting there and he's like, 
have you guys seen this movie airplane and we all kind of looked at each other and we're like yes it's like it's it's amazing it's like the, the best movie i've ever seen and we're like ben how do you not know but like ben's like 22 yeah. 23 yeah, it was, so it was out like 20 years before he was born. yeah it was <laughs> born before his parents were even thinking about having him so even before they met <laughs> yeah exactly probably <laughs> um it was born it came out before i was born so it was um, i think it's like 1978 or 79 i think it's 79 yeah, but but the, like that. the so that idea so so that conversation sparked an idea in me and it wasn't until uh i don't know if you know the podcast how did this get made with uh paul Shear, uh june diane Raphael, and jason manzoukas they, they watch like horrible movies and then they just riff on like how bad they are and they get other comedians and they talk about it so i wanted to take that structure but a different premise which was uh bring in uh comedians who maybe are younger or maybe they're just older and never saw it who watch these classic com comedy films that would have shaped uh someone who was like a comedy nerds like sense of humor it's like airplane definitely one of those for me right. uh i thought it was the funniest movie in the world when i was a kid and it's and still funny i still still hilarious funny. yeah it's still hilarious there's so much of that movie that so and that was another aspect of it is like um looking at looking at those movies not just for like appreciate the comedy in them and how they would have influenced uh someone growing up at that time but also like how do they exist in that time like the comedy that existed in that time and how does that translate into now so it's part comedy discussion part like almost like sociology discussion and academic discussion of like where are we at now based on the humor there so the first one we did was uh young frankenstein and i did it at halloween in 2018 at the mayfair theater uh, and like i i funded this myself and like we almost broke even on that one um but i went on the cbc i was on uh, all in a day and got to like plug it there and um mike tamafi was my co-host for it and um it was a good we had a pretty good turnout but like i was like you know what maybe if i try like a series of three um in the spring of 2019 maybe i can get it going again and, and like see how it goes um and then so we ended up doing the jerk next steve martin i love that movie, I love that movie. Oh, God. i love that movie we we did it in february of uh 2019 and that one put me in the hole big time we had uh because like to get to break even at the mayfair you need like um uh, 80 people to come like like to okay. to show up with with you know everything um and i had 20 so it was mm. not good um the next month in march we did airplane um which we were close again to breaking even and then we did uh in april of 2019 on the uh, thursday night before good friday we did life of brian and that one is like my my one success we had uh i made actually made money on that one not okay. on the project as a whole but that night <laughs> that night <laughs> uh that night i was actually able to like give like I always paid the performers, but I was able to give them a little bit more, um, and also like <laughs> have some for put, yourself. Put the, put the balance sheets a little bit better. Yeah. So then, uh, and then in fall of 2019, I did two more. Uh, I did uh, Army of Darkness, which was more of like I just wanted to see if we could do like something that like because I had never seen Army of Darkness before, and it's not like your typical comedy, but it is a cult classic. So I was just like, well, let's 
let's talk about that. Maybe we can get people to come. Again, it was like almost breaking even. And then uh, we did Christmas 2019, we did um, Christmas vacation. And this this one, all, again, I was expecting a lot more people to come, but again, it was like almost breaking even. So it 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 was, it's just too much to, it. I don't think I'm gonna return to the live show structure, even though I want to, right. um, unless the Mayfair wants to uh, work with me, as I've stressed to them several times and <laughs> give me some sort of incentive uh, to do it, which is, would be not making me rent the theater would be great. But yeah, um, yeah cause that probably costs a lot. And a that lot. Would eat a big chunk of whatever whatever I, ticket sales and stuff you, you make. I don't even, I don't even want to like necessarily make money at it. I just would like to not be in the hole with it would be yeah. great. Like, and I know they have money, like they have their own bottom line to look after too, but like we were putting butts in seats. Like we yeah. were, and, and, and they're um, buying drinks and food or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. yeah we're we, purchasing we, there. we actually, the, uh, the, the first series we did in the, in the winter, um, we had the smoke shack there and they had like pork uh, sliders and uh, beer as well that they were selling. It was, it was, it was a good time. Um, people had like good feedback. That's how I built the page. Like I have like a hundred followers on the Facebook page. Um, but I, I'm sorry, I'm a terrible storyteller. So it, here we go. <laughs> Fast forward to the pandemic. It's like, I'm sitting there with this page I have Trevor's pad and like, I'm trying to build my brand with Trevor, like, you know, those little feeder fishes that stick on the bottom of a shark, right? Like, I'm just like hanging on there, like getting whatever comes off. But then I'm like, you know, I, I, I have this page, I've used it to promote my live shows. Why don't I like try and do it on Twitch? And uh, I, I'm steering clear of Facebook live for now, just because it's not, uh, you're not able to monetize it. Um, but uh, with Twitch, I've been able to, uh, so I've started, uh, you, we watch it on Zoom together, which is in a bit of a legal gray area, um, maybe. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then we go on Twitch afterwards and talk about it. So uh, tonight, actually, we, we've been watching, um, so David Haddad, uh, Emmett Morrison, and I, and I think Trevor's joining us tonight, even though he was a horrible guest last time he was on. Um, <laughs> because you'll like this, Simone, we're watching this, this show together. And uh, at the same time, Trevor is watching baseball and an Andre the Giant documentary on his TV. <laughs> so then he comes into the discussion. He's like, yeah, he's, and he's literally, you know this from doing stand-up. Worst thing you can see in the audience is somebody with their hands crossed, right? Yes. And that was Trevor the whole episode. Oh, no. It's like, yeah, you know, we're doing that. It's like, okay, Trevor, like, so he's he told me tonight he'll pay attention. So we've been watching um, we've been watching Mr. Show. It's a uh, late '90s uh, uh, sketch comedy show with um, it was on HBO and it has uh, Bob Odenkirk, who you would probably know as Saul from uh, Breaking Bad and mm -hmm. Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul. Uh, yeah. I believe he's also in a movie that's doing quite well right now called Nobody. Um, and then uh, David Cross is the other lead actor who you would know as Tobias Funke in Arrested Development is probably his most notable role, but he's been, mm -hmm. he's everywhere. Um, yeah. So it's a sketch comedy show. It's, it's got a lot of other uh, really talented comedians in it. Uh, Jack Black has one of his first like television appearances in it um, in the earlier seasons. 
um he's like friends with all those guys sarah silverman too uh this was like post snl like kind of her transition from sketch to stand-up was happening around this time because she was uh, on saturday night live for yeah like, like a blink, blink and she was she was gone sort of yeah thing. she was she was maybe there i think for like a half a season but okay. like i remember her like even though she was only there a couple of times, they used her quite a bit. Like she was the, the thing I remember her most uh, vividly being in is that a uh, lunch lady skit from Chris mm -hmm. Farley, the, the, or in Adam Sandler, the lunch lady land. She's one of the, the foods that come out to like push him. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we'll be watching the second half of season two tonight uh, on our uh, Saturday, the May 1st. Uh, and then I think we're going to do it Wednesdays and Saturdays. Uh, until we finish the season and then we'll see where we are lockdown wise um but yeah kind of uh david's never seen this before so david haddad's never seen the show and he's a big sketch comedy fan so we're kind of getting his reactions to it and just talking about the the comedy writing and everything and uh like there was a um there was a skit that we saw uh and like this is all this is like like 96 well actually let me check and see when this aired 96. So you, Simone, you remember 96, not exactly uh, the most tolerant of times, even, I mean, I, I would, I guess it's even less tolerant now, but I don't know. They had a skit uh, called the new KKK, where it was like them rebranding themselves. And like, they had African-Americans like in the, and it's like this, Hey, look, look at us now. This is, this is like before like uh, Chappelle show did his thing. And yeah. it was like, but it's like so upbeat and like, and then they like all the skits tie into each other so then it pans out at the end and it turns out it's a uh, awards show for like rebranding and then they show the next ad and it's like for nambla which is like the north american man boy love association we're and their their thing was we're not killers like and it's like sure we like to molest children but we're not killers exactly and so that's the skit and i'm just like i i like so this was we were talking about like could you even do that like you could now but like there's so many more hurdles you have to jump through there's yeah. a there's a skit coming up uh that's like uh about actors uh specifically about actors and they use the r word uh choosing to be like uh, or not choosing to be but like choosing roles that are uh mentally uh challenged handicapped people uh, uh, specific mental disabilities and it's all awards shows for actors who choose to take these roles and how brave they are and like and like that whole skit i'm just like there's no way like you, no you, way. you could not do that now like there's and like, there's like 40 other things like like just it's so offensive <laughs> so brilliant but like yeah. like wasn't there a movie like that though did um a Mr. Show movie? No, no, not no. It wasn't a Mr. Show movie. It was uh oh, tr uh, tr uh, Tropic Thunder. Tropic well, Thunder. Yes, that where they, he says they, go, you, you went the full R, and they did blackface in that. Yeah, but yes, there was yes. a movie that was based. It was who was the actor? I want to say it was Johnny Knoxville, and he had wanted to go to the Olympics, but he couldn't qualify. Oh for yes, the, you're right. Yes, 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 so yes. So he went yes. to the Special Olympics instead. Like that right. wouldn't get me to take. Yeah, I don't think so. Like I, no. and so that's that's kind of like what we talk about is like, uh, and, and like David said the other day, the comedy parts of it 
are timeless because a lot of it and like a lot of the things that that are that they critique in the show of like contemporary 90s culture a lot of things have not changed like like in terms of racial attitudes uh like we we change the wordings mm-hmm. and we change like uh uh surface level things but like really really not a lot's changed there's a skit yeah. coming up that we're going to be talking about so it's airing tonight uh about uh it's all these different factions of people so like you have uh african-american person you have a gay person you have or i should say lgbtq person uh you have just a a, a, an asian american person like and then you have like a white supremacist guy and they're all sitting in the meeting and it's all very cordial and they're like how are we going to divide up the country who gets where who gets this who gets that we're all going to go there we're going to build our walls and we're all going to be fine and it's like the whole skit is like that and then it it's kind of like uh making fun of essentially meetings with people trying to figure out to do i'm sure you work you work uh you work so you've been in this before where like literally what you end up to do doesn't get done and so then they want to blow up a van in the middle somewhere but then they're like oh i don't really want to hurt anybody and like i don't really want to like do any property damage what kind of van yeah (laughs) and then and then they get a van and they're like well i don't want to pay we're paying the deposit on the van i want to get that back so then at the end of the skit uh, it's like, well, let's just make a loud noise. Well, oh, a noise is just too rough. Well, like, what if we play? What if we play like a song really loud? And then the like one of the guys goes, oh, oh, uh, Billy Ocean, a uh, Caribbean Queen, and they're like, and then so then the skit ends with a van in the middle of the desert blasting Billy Ocean's Caribbean Queen, and that's their big operation to hell on earth. And that's like it's it's the like, you know. <laughs> terrorism domestic terrorism in the states has been uh, an ever-increasing problem and like the kind of the way they mock that and like all the racial attitudes like really uh, i I was uh, like one of the things we we talked about is just like nothing's really changed in 25 years from this when this aired like we have all these same problems they they're even the issues are still here yeah they're even more malignant i would i would say and um one of the things I, I'm, I'm actually going to try and write something on this a bit more uh, is I was thinking about this, like from like, you know, the boomers had, um, uh, you know, Woodstock and like all the, the struggle of the 60s and then the Coke bender they went on in the 70s as kind of like their defining moments of the generation for them. And like you're Gen X, right? Yeah, and, I'm Gen and, X. and so Gen X. I think you guys had like really like the grunge period and like the, 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 like Woodstock 94, I feel like was the pinnacle of Gen X. And then like 99 was the demise of Gen X, (laughs) like the way that ended. But then I, I feel like I'm 81. So like, I'm the oldest level of millennial, like 80, 81 seems to be. Yeah. And you're, you're in that like kind of, you could be like, a really young Gen X or yeah. like an elderly or, millennial. <laughs> I, I feel I feel more millennial than Gen X, although yeah. I do have Gen X depression, so maybe that's where it kind of <laughs> you have gets Gen into. X ennui. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but but I was like trying to figure out like like in terms of cultural moments for for millennials, I really think 9-11 stopped us from having that moment like millennials were defined by that moment that was thrust on us and like the whole you way you were in a classroom you were a kid i, I was mm-hmm. i was uh in university when that happened okay. i was uh 
in my second year, just starting my second year and uh, no third year. I was, a, I was a junior uh, in university. Oh, it's going to be 20 years this year. Yeah. And I was oh. in, um, I was in Los Angeles uh, and cause I was on the West coast we didn't know what was going on until like I, I remember my friend he used to wake up early for work and his mom called him and he's banging on my bedroom door going someone's attacking us we're being attacked and I got up just in time to watch the second tower fall uh, mm. live and um and like I remember also like just ever the everything became really weird after that like especially especially living in the states um like I I've always like I'm first generation both my parents were born in Mexico um I've always been uncomfortable with American nationalism and and patriotism and it was all ratcheted up to 11 uh to use the the spinal tap term like uh for those few years culminating with the Iraq war and I remember um when the Iraq war happened, I was against it from the beginning. I, I was just like, I was, I mean, I got caught up with like, yeah, let's go into Afghanistan and find them. And then we didn't, and we're still there now. Um, and, and like, but when Iraq happened, I was just like, what the hell kind of, like, what are we doing? Like, I, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, it became pretty clear what it was about right away. But like, I remember, I remember I had an internship my senior year at the Los Angeles mayor's office and Los Angeles is so horrible to get around that I had to get up at like five 30 in the morning to like leave my house at six to get there at like a good, like to, to be able to not have to sit in my car for two hours. Wow. And like, and, and like, even then I had to drive, like not on the highway. Like I just drive through neighborhoods to get to downtown Los Angeles and like still took me 40 something minutes like I, that's you part to do of, like the, the milk route to get yeah there. pretty much and like wow. i i um that's part of the reason why i didn't want to live there anymore uh, even though i oftentimes wonder what my life would have been like had i stayed there but yeah. uh, uh especially in winter here but um, <laughs> winter time. yeah winter time but it's uh <laughs> yeah i i um yeah anyway just I'm, I'm, as you can see, I can talk just as much as Trevor, <laughs> but, uh, where was I, I going think with this? 9-11 was, uh, uh, like a, a, a defining moment for like a lot because, because yeah. the whole world changed after it, that. It, and it, if you're coming of age, yeah, that's like a very, yeah. Uh, and, and like art. just the way everything kind of went for like, I would say through the end of that, like I'd say through Obama getting elected kind of like. Mm -hmm we thought that would change everything. And I was very, like, I was living here by that time. I was, uh, I moved here in, in 2006 and, um, and like when he won, I, I like, I remember sending my vote. I remember sending my vote in, uh, I was living in the UK when George W. Bush was reelected. And I remember telling the post person at the, uh, the post office in, in uh, Cardiff, I was living in Wales and I gave it to her and I said, this is a vote against George W. Bush. Can you please make sure? And she's like, I'll make sure it gets there. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, but then here I sent him my vote for Obama. Um, and like, I was an early supporter of him because the other person I had supported was uh, John Edwards, who uh, a sex scandal came oh, out yeah. pretty he early. And he burned himself to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was not good. Uh, no, so then no. so then There's I supported so many, yeah. <laughs> I supported Obama when he uh, through the primary. 
through the general when he first came here to Ottawa and did that whole Obama cookie thing. I uh, that was during the bus strike, and um, I lived in Carlington area, and I remember I walked all the way across the experimental farm to Carleton University to stand there on the street to be able to wave at him See, as, as his he drove by. <laughs> as he drove by. And it was funny too, because like they had the the decoy car and I, I his decoy guy looked right at me. I'm like, that doesn't look like I was like, I knew it was a decoy, but I'm like, he had his ears, but I'm like, that's it. Like it and his haircut. But I was like, yeah, I, that's not fooling anyone. That's not him. <laughs> yeah, that's not him. But then I saw him go by and he's talking to someone. So I saw the back of his head and like, I like the guy. I think, I think if I got to actually sit down and talk with him, um, I think he's a very nice man. I'm sure he, mm-hmm. I, he looks like an excellent father, excellent husband. So, so I think is Joe Biden as well. Um, but uh, politically he was a huge disappointment for me um, in, in a lot of things he did. And that's why I, gravitated towards uh mr bernard sanders um in 2016 and and 2020 uh even though that turned out to be a huge disappointment as well but um yeah it's kind of like obama kind of let me and that's that's when i started getting engaged and married and having a family so i kind of disengaged from american politics a bit and focused more on uh what was turned out to be my marriage collapsing um but but then you know once once that happened and got sorted out uh i kind of uh trump was very effective in getting me re-engaged in in american politics especially when as i've said i'm I'm first generation mexican-american and his first speech was calling everyone in mexico uh inferring inferring rapists and murderers and like that was very yeah 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 he's 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 horrible horrible he's race baited uh everybody so i i uh i'll give him credit he's equal opportunity employer in that (laughs) regard but but he uh and one of the things i've struggled with to to, to bring it back to comedy is like thinking now of like what i'm gonna do with my trump jokes um because i did stand up in uh when did i do did i do it in january no, well, yeah, he wasn't out of office yet, but I did them in December. Like he had lost the election by that yeah. point. And it was weird like to to do like, I have to figure out a different way to frame him because, mm. um, you know, he's not the big bad anymore. And like, and him yeah, being- Yeah, he was on his way out at that point. Yeah. He was out. It was just waiting for the, the inauguration. <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, and like January 6th hadn't happened either. So like, yeah. uh, but he hadn't- uh, I think the thing that's really hurt me in those Trump jokes is him not being on social media. Um, yeah, because he's, he's, it seems like he's vanished. Right. Which is yeah. fine. But yeah, I mean, I know yeah, it's good for society. Like but yeah, like, society, for it's comedy. But no, yeah, it's it, comedy, not so much. But yeah, yeah. And, and like, uh, it's funny too, because like, to, just to talk about comedy stuff for a while, because I know that's what you want to talk about comedy <laughs> stuff. Like, I remember, uh, I've done stand-up in the States uh, twice now, and it was both times in my hometown of Sacramento. And one time was at a um, a very, like, swizzles type of place, like, a, a, but it was more artsy, like, more, and it was during, like, the afternoon. Well, it wasn't afternoon, it was summertime, so it was, like, it's, like, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, but still light out. Yeah. And, and it's California, so it's beautiful wherever, but it's, like, this, like, very... 
uh, woke um, midtown, uh, like like center town type of establishment. And like, I remember walking in there and this was uh, 2019. And I remember like walking in, my sister's there and she brought a couple of her friends to support me. But I was like there in California for two weeks. And the minute I got back, I was in the absolute competition. So I was like, I need to get my timing down. I need to get my set down. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was like, I don't really care what they think. I just need to make like time myself and like, right. you know, just make sure everything's okay. Yeah, it's a time and everything. But, but you, you've probably experienced this or even done it yourself. But like when a new person walks in to like a, your normal open mic spot, there's a lot of sizing up that comics do. And, and there's a lot of like, oh, who's this guy? What, what's, what's his deal? And like, mm -hmm. you know, I had to kind of, uh, win them over and i like i did towards the end but like really they were not on board because it was a they're all they all know each other like yeah. it's all an artsy like you know kind of group of people and uh all younger like i'm i was at least 10 years older than all of them and like uh it, it was it was awkward but then the other show i did was like more of a pro show in uh in um like the suburb of Sacramento uh, called Rancho Cordova and it's a uh, uh, I remember talking to like the comics and they're like hey yeah be be careful because this is a pretty conservative part of town I'm like okay well, I'm still gonna do my Trump stuff and then I did it and they they were on board they liked it like because I'm, I'm just like he's he's an idiot like you, you yeah. can't I'm not just sitting there calling him. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not sitting there calling him an idiot. I'm showing you he's an yeah, idiot. And like, proof. Exactly. yeah, and they were, and they were on board because his his, his fans love that he's an idiot. That's the yeah. thing. Is like, they they don't care that he's an idiot. That's the that's it's that's, not the bug. It's the feature. Like that's they they like yeah. that he's like them and. Um, uh, they were they were fine with it like i it was awkward as hell though doing like um like sex jokes and stuff in front of my aunts like that yeah. was that was real weird yeah. and like on my dad and there was like my dad's side of the family was there and like my dad's side of the family seventh day adventists and they're they were oh, wow. and i'm like cursing and like talking and like they're but, like yeah i just remember my aunt just at one point just going like oh and it's like but like you know but i got a like those are some of my favorite memories is like making a bar of like people who aren't paying attention pay attention yes, exactly and, and he's like what did they say <laughs> yeah exactly but it, it was uh that those are my two times doing it uh like and, and that was like peak trump time uh like this was 20 was that 2018 or 2019 i think it was 2018 because I, I, I did well in the absolute competition, but not as well as I did the next year. But it was still like, um, it was still a, a good good time. And it's good to do those jokes in other towns because you want to see if they work. Like yeah. um, uh, something that Canadians really like is when I make fun of Americans, which Americans don't really appreciate. Don't like <laughs> I mean, I mean, they do kind of, but like, <laughs> I have to make fun of Canadians when I go there. Like to, you know, like mm. I, the things to balance that, it out. <laughs> yeah, the things that they really respond to, especially in California, was when I would talk about like how cold, like how we cannot conceive of how cold it gets here. Like it took me years to be to be okay with it. Now, I was and even born then, here and I'm still not used yeah, to it. Well, I, <laughs> anyone with a back, anyone who has any kind of darker skin, it's like we're not. <laughs> 
made we're not built we're for this not made for this it's the same reason why like you know uh <laughs> like I, I i i think i've made this joke with that you've been in the audience before and heard me say this where it's like uh actually no i don't think you've heard this joke before but i talk about now i say like how um i'm gonna be 40 in july and i'm like i know i look great for being you know almost turning 40 and then i say it's not my fault white people that you age like shit it's like it's it's like it's your sins that's why i was like if i said if god had wanted you to conquer all of these sunny places he wouldn't have made you age 10 years if you forget to put sunscreen on one day like it's just and like and white people are game for it because it's true like they just they age terribly um one of my first jokes i had uh is the same thing i say black don't crack and everything right yeah and i had this thing where i said aging ain't nifty if you need spf 50 right yeah yeah <laughs> i i remember the uh there's this show i did uh which i talked about trevor gets anytime i try and talk about stuff i've done trevor's not a game for it but there's <laughs> this show i did with these lawyers and i remember talking about uh i think i i, I referenced black don't crack or something like that I just sort of saying like those of us darker skin we just don't age the same this is before this joke but i remember uh this this uh lawyer sitting in front row and he said i think he's well known michael michael smith uh he also teaches at carlton and he's I think he used to be an Olympian wrestler, like way back in the days, African-American gentleman. And he's staring at me. I'm like, you know what I'm talking about? And I fist pumped him and huge, huge pop from the crowd. But like, it's, it's true. Like they just, they can't, uh, they just don't age well. It's uh, again, I'm, I'm just saying it's, it's God just saying, Hey, it comes with a price. What you did exactly. comes with a price. I look young. Yeah. However, like... yeah. You're going to have to inject poison into your face to look like the people you've completely fucked over. So enjoy your Botox, uh, people. But yeah, I, uh, and your butt implants. And exactly. Oh yeah. That, so those are the, those are the jokes I'm working on now. Uh, now that Trump's gone, but, uh, I think one of the things you, you had asked me was, um, what's a joke? Uh, that I'm known for that, that like the origins of it. And, yeah. uh, and I, 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 well, the joke I talked about was uh, my, my pee joke. So uh, I'll do the, I'll do the joke cause it's a longer story. And I'll, I will say that I have a short version and a long version of it. The longer version has a, um, uh, a part of it where I talk about like Taco Bell and, and it's, that was a separate joke that I threw into it to make it a longer story. So, but that's not really relevant to the joke, but I, I say that it happened in California. It didn't happen in California. Uh, and it's actually a, a combination of two things. So the joke is that I, I'll do the long, oh, I'll do the long version. The, the yeah. long version of the joke is I say that, um, you know, I'm from the States, as I said, and um, I want to tell you a story about my daughter. And this is typically my closer. Uh, this has been my closer for the last few years. Uh, I say that we went back to the States and it was just me and her. It was just my daughter and I. Uh, my son was too young to go on an airplane. So I was like, we, you know, we were there and she was around four, three or four at the time. And, and kids that are just potty trained pick the absolute worst times to go to the bathroom, just the worst times. And um, I said how, uh, you know, because I was back in the States, I have to change the way I talk, right? Like every time I go back, like I can't say washroom, right? I have to use their word how to get to shitter right you know like uh <laughs> or like i can't say how to get to taco bell i have to say use their word how do you get to the shitter right so like that's that was a, a se that, the separate joke that i threw in there but then i said that like uh so we're back in the states and we're in this beautiful park uh national park 
Um, if I want to get dark, I'll say it was not on fire at the time. But, uh, <laughs> but usually that doesn't get a laugh. But then I say, you know, we're there. And uh, she looks at me and she goes, Daddy, I need to go and I need to go now. I'm looking around. There's no washrooms in sight. There's no shitters in sight. There's no Taco Bells in sight, guys. And, and so I'm like, okay, where do I take her? So I take my daughter into the woods and I teach her how to pee in the woods. Now, I'll say that again. I, as a man, taught my daughter how to pee in the woods. And like, guys, there's physics involved when women pee that we don't have to consider, right? We point and spray and that's our answer to everything. But like, they they have to like, you know, so I, I say this, I say, ladies, I had to teach her that move, right? Where you put your, your underwear out on your knees and you squat down and you arch your pelvis so the spray doesn't get on your shoes. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I act it out. And, and, <laughs> And I always, I, I, the thing I love about that is like women just like light up, like, how does he know this? And then, and then, and then like, I, and I do like a motion and I say, I'm sorry to the people behind me, you know, I'm doing the motion. And then as my daughter was peeing, all I could think of is where did I pick this up? Like, where did I get this life skill to teach my daughter? And then I realized it's because I've been in the Byward market at like 2.30 in the morning <laughs> when all the bars are letting out and like, because that was my frame of reference, I decided to give my daughter like the full byword market experience. So while she was peeing, I just started screaming at her. Like you just fucking go for it. Like, oh, and I just, I just turned into a basic bitch for the end of the, the skit and just ramble uh, the end of the joke. And that's the joke. And it gets a huge, that's funny. Huge that's pop. Really good. And I I've done, I've done that joke in the States where I just say closing time at a bar and, and like substitute out by word market. I've done it in Montreal where I say St. Catherine street yeah. and like, it gets a huge pop. And the, the origins of that joke, uh, it didn't, ha- it, it didn't happen where we were in the States and it didn't happen where uh, it was just me and her. It was actually, it, we were here in Barhaven, just like at a school playground, like while it was closed during a summer day and she had to pee. And I took her behind a little uh, tree area and I, and I taught her how to pee. And, and I, but, but then literally while she was peeing, I did figure out where I saw this from. Uh, and, it, and I realized I should add a part and it's not porn. Uh, <laughs> is that like when I was first divorced, I was going out with my friends a lot and to keep myself like you know, not falling into a bad mood. And so I was going out with my friends and they're my coworkers. And one of my friends uh, is a bit of a party girl and uh, we're in the market. And so that's the part that relates to the market. And she uh, is just talking to me and she's just looking at me and she's talking. She's like, just a minute. And she walks over, pulls her skirt up, smashes her ass against the wall like arch like the archer pelvis thing she smashes her ass against the wall and just starts peeing and the pee's just going down the wall but because of the way she's squatting it's not spraying on her shoes and i'm sitting there and she's just continuing on the conversation with me and i'm just like what the fuck (laughs) and and then so that but like i remembered that so vividly that when my daughter needed to pee i remembered okay you're going to put your underwear out here to your knees and you're going to squat and you're going to tilt your pelvis because that's what she did. Exactly. So then I was like, uh, so then like literally while my daughter was peeing, I did have the, the thought of my friend peeing in the market. And so I put the two life experiences together and then I just threw in a little basic bitch rant at the end. And it just, it, I, like, that's the thing though. It's like, as a man, if you get women on your side, 
Oh my God! Like they they will they will. Oh yeah. They, you you get them to pop for you. They will pop, and they and guys will pop with them. But like it's uh, like and it's a joke that works for everybody because everyone's there, been in that situation. Everyone's been in that situation. Seen it or something. Everyone's seen a group of drunk girls just doing this stupid shit. So. It was, uh, yeah, and, and it, I, I, I think I first started performing that joke, I want to say, so the idea, the, I think the, the incident happened summer of 2018, and, um, or was it summer 2017? Summer 2017, because I didn't use it in the competition that year. My closure was something else. And then over 2017 to 2018, I started developing it more. And then by the time I got to the summer competition in 2018, it was kind of fully formed. And um, it's, yeah, it's been my, clo- like, I didn't, none of us really did stand up in 2020, but yeah. like uh, uh, when I did in the competitions too in 2019, it was, it was my closure there. And it has not lost, like, everyone's like, when are you going to stop doing it? I'm like, when it stops killing. Yeah. Like I, and I, that's like never, cause that's, yeah. that's hilarious. Like well, that. I, one thing I've experimented with is like doing it at the beginning of my set or like towards the beginning of like, and then kind of seeing where I can go from there with that energy. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, a, some things I experimented with, with like, where did I get that basic bitch voice of like, <laughs> how do I know how to do that so well? And, and uh, that was also motivated by female coworkers of like, you know, when it's Friday and they just don't even care. They just don't even care. Like, I'm just going to go out on Friday and I'm just going to have like six Mai Tais and I don't even care. Like, I'm going to go out and I'm just going to like beat a homeless person to death because I don't even care. It's Friday and it's my fucking night. Like that kind of thing of like, you know, you meet the like working in an office, like random uh, and, and at the, at the same time, I, I know what it's like to be burnt out on a Friday and want to just go beat somebody to death. Like we all feel that way, but like, you know, you, 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 you figure out different structures and different tags and the way to, to, to like a lot of the, the 2018, 2019, like I only started in 2016, but like a lot of the, my standup development has been figuring out where to put all these pieces and like switch them around and, and figure out how they work. Or now it's come to the time where, um, I have enough material where I'll just like play around with it. If I'm like, if I got more time, I'll be like, okay, let's, let's throw this one in this old Mm -hmm. classic. And I've even started bringing older things back to like, and retooling them. I've been doing that too. And it's fun because like, you don't, uh, you never give up on a joke unless it's really offensive, which I do have some of those that are just, not funny and very offensive i think every i think every guy especially goes through that like this this whole um i don't want to say joe rogan's responsible for it because it existed before him but like this uh like an insult comedian type of like you you want to get a reaction to people and and like uh there's plenty of comics that i could name right now that do this uh, i call them edgelords but like (laughs) they want to they want to just say things to be offensive and not necessarily funny and I definitely went through a phase with that. Um, I was dating somebody at the time that was kind enough to show me that that was a stupid thing to do. And <laughs> it's not good to just hurt people. And um, that if you're going to say something offensive, you better be fucking hilarious about it. And that's yeah. one thing that, um, unfortunately, one of my idols as a comedian when I was first starting was Louis C.K. That did not age well either. Um, <laughs> but he he had, I remember his, his joke writing, he has good some good points about like you know 
rape jokes and stuff like that. It's like you 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 better make sure you have like the best rape joke in the world if you're gonna make a rape joke like that. If yeah. you're gonna if you're gonna touch these subjects, you better like, have people screaming and rolling in the aisles right. and dying and yeah. And, and it's different for like like if I say a rape joke and I'm talking about female rape and it's not something that I can ever experience. If I'm talking about male rape and it's something I experienced then it's different then i have yes, agency right and it, exactly yeah. and so like i can talk about racism because i've experienced racism yes. obviously i probably have not experienced racism in the same way you have and you probably have not experienced racism in the same way i have because we have different cultural mm -hmm. backgrounds and uh exactly. and trump would say different things about us if, yes. and he he would say you're right you're this and you're that but like <laughs> th like that kind of thing like uh but still it's like we would find common ground on discussing race and right. the the and and making fun of white people but like the like that kind of thing it's like if you're going to tread into waters where you don't have that experience to actually draw from and like almost guard you from like the people would be like you can't talk about that well yeah i can't because it's me like this is mm -hmm. what i live but yeah, if you're going to do that yeah. if you're going to do that like you got to make sure you got it tightened up and it's it's something really profound uh because mm -hmm. i've tried that um, one thing I found out, uh, which I've told to Janelle Niles, is like, I'm I'm Mexican American, and, and being Mexican American means you're part European, you're part Indigenous, and um, I do I found out very early on I do not have license to make Indigenous jokes because most Canadians do not see me as Indigenous, even though like my genetic background is Indigenous, like I. I that's where I get the dark color from, for the most part, is 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 from uh, my dad's side, especially is from northern Mexico, and like I can trace the the band where like it doesn't exist anymore. But like, um, but like I tried to make jokes about being part indigenous, and nope, not nope, <laughs> not having it, nope. You're and and like I don't know, like it's hard too, because like uh, people try, and especially white people police what you're able to say and what especially about your cultural and race and things and i actually had an experience when i first started uh do, do you know christian soza have you met him before no i've never met he, him. so so he's he did it a lot when i first started he's kind of dropped off a bit he's venezuelan we get along great um <clears throat> cool we've talked about like our cultural backgrounds and um just gonna get a drink water sure but he told me a very disappointing story when I first started about how like, uh, and I know who the people were and, and I've never confronted them on it, but like how they were talking about like people of color comedians in the scene. This was like 2017, 2018. And, and he was there and he's like, what about Lorenzo? And they're like, no, he doesn't count. He's not, he's not, you know, he's not a person of color. I'm just like, and that's kind of been my thing my whole life of like, I talk like this because I grew up in the States. I went yeah. to school. Um, I, 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 I don't have any problem with saying I'm whitewashed. Absolutely. Same uh, with I, me. I, yeah, I grew up in Ronald Reagan's America. Um, I, I was, I, Spanish was my first language and I had that shamed out of me by the public school system. Being anything different was something to be uh, ashamed, uh, of. Yeah. ashamed of. And, and, and um, it really was disappointing to, to hear that because these were people that were booking independent rooms at the time and and the gatekeepers of the scene most of them aren't there anymore but like it was just like you know what like i i uh 
you don't have the right to 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 pass that judgment on me like i i've uh experienced racism uh, my family's experienced racism my dad i remember my dad uh was was told um like by his school teacher like you don't want to go to law school like that's not what your people do like that's that that's what he was told and this was in the the uh like the 60s and the uh, late 60s i want to say or like early like mid 60s and like that's that's not uncommon for mexican yeah. people to be told that in yeah, california too, yeah. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. And, and like we have comp like and sometimes all... you weren't even allowed to apply you weren't even allowed exactly to and like that's why like most of my friends in high school were either black like my, my friends growing up were black were filipino a lot a lot of filipinos in, in california uh asians like we all were kind of like you know we're, we're here we're in good schools like i went to the best high school in sacramento like i had a lot of privilege but like i came from people who worked in the fields of california those were my parents my grandparents as well like they like i'm only first generation they sacrificed everything to be to give me this whitewashed existence um mm -hmm. and like i try and and uh honor that but like it's uh it's disappointing because it's like it you is. know like what why it, I, I get you want to have like diversity and stuff but like also like you can't have it if if those are the gatekeepers yeah well and it's you know? and like literally it's always white people and i'll say it it's always white women it's always white women <laughs> like i just like i don't understand i don't understand like like I, I, I said this this last year. I'm like, it's not been a good year for white women. Like it just had like the whole Karen thing. Like, it's just like, ladies, let's take a step back. Let women of color come up and handle this. When it comes to race, let women of color talk. Just just sit You're back so, sit and listen. Back. <laughs> listen to what they're saying. Like, I, I, I get you. I get you want to help. You're not helping most of the time. But um, yeah, it's it's. And and like I I I uh, I, I don't know. It's I, there's a book I got. Um, it's I, I have all these books. That you, you I'm sure you you do this too. You have books you want to read, and mm -hmm. then it's just the time to <laughs> yeah. to do it. But there's this book. Uh, it's called Identity Capitalism. It's and it's all about like this whole like uh, oh you know like I think the the idea for the book came from this lady. Uh, she's Asian American, and she was saying how she went to a wedding. And how the bride came, she's like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. We, we like, you're the only one, uh, you're, you're the only minority we, that actually showed up. And she's like, what? <laughs> like, like she was a token invite to a wedding for a friend. And she's just like, I had no, like, it, and it, it created such a horror. And I know that feeling. I'm sure you've experienced it too. Yeah. Of like, you're here because the people in charge want to make a diversity whatever statement mm -hmm. to they to their really want me here exactly me. they want me here because it look for optics yeah for, for them because yeah, it for makes them. them look better and it's like uh th that 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 whole industry of of white people using people of color to perform this is it's that's what her book's about but mm -hmm. i haven't i haven't been, I, I heard the interview with her and i was just like this is I was like, this is a lot of what the, the comedy business has turned into in the last few years of like, we're going to use uh, minorities and people of color, but we're not going to really put them in charge of anything. Yeah, It's like, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to use their bodies, use our bodies to make this statement that look at us, look at how 
great we are yeah, and C- cbc we are cbc is terrible with this like they like it's like but all the people in charge are white all the people in charge are like y- y- you know you put a couple people here and there it's like and yeah. and, and it's it's there's a great uh, po- political statement i heard which is like representation's fine and it's all well and gr- good but if that's all that happens that's not that's not yeah. change it's inter it's exactly. it's integration we need integration and representation yeah. we need people like people of all walks of life like at the table exactly you know? yeah and and yeah. like like i i it's one of the problems i have with with kamala harris is like i i i want to like her i really do but she has done everything she can to be representation and not integration with like she does not uh, and this is this is a problematic part of California politics, so I won't blame it all on her. She comes she comes from the California political machine, uh, uh, like Willie Brown and and all all the Bay Area machine. Like I I was intimately aware of that growing up. Uh, is like they'll pull up the people they want to pull up, like across that bridge of success for the representation. They they give some of that power and some of that money, but just enough, just enough. To make it seem like it's not the game it is yeah but, but like and like it's it's funny watching like there's uh two of my friends growing up uh were african-american and, and their dads uh, was a lobbyist in in uh california we've actually spoken a lot as i've grown up like because my father passed when i was so young i looked for father figures where i could and he was definitely one of them and his politics he, he was always pretty middle of the road democrat kind of guy but I've, I've talked to him and he's starting to get a little bit upset with the, the system he was a part of. Like, it's just like, mm-hmm. he's kind of like, well, like what, when his whole life has been, you know, he's a boomer, like the change we fought for in the sixties, what happened? Where is it? Why? Like, it's great that Kamala's up there and, and, and that Barack broke that, that seal, that barrier too. But like, I mean, look There's at a whole look, system that has to whole be system and and, and like first yeah and like white people are going nuts right now like they're going like 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 the january 6th thing and like the police all the horrible stuff that's happening with the police against black and brown people it's like that they're they're acting out because they don't want to share they they don't they don't really want threatened. integration they don't want integration they have a problem with just representation like that that's they're 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 pushing back on even that little bit and they know that the next step is integration and that requires actually giving up some power and that's not something a lot of of white people are comfortable with and i I, hey you know what i get it if i was if i if i was if i was had everything uh if, if i was a trevor thompson type and living high on the hog of of growing up white and being white and, and, you know, like that kind of thing. Like I I get it. Like I, 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 that was one of my favorite things about like one of my favorite comedians growing up was Chris Rock. Cause like he talked about race uh, and, and, and like uh, would, would make people uncomfortable with those things. Um, And it's, it's just, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm very curious to see where we're going because um like once the boomers start getting older and and hopefully hopefully withdrawing from politics, God, I can hope. <laughs> but like like Gen Xers, it's been interesting watching what's happening to Gen X because you guys are splitting. Like uh, like I thought I thought you guys would stick 
true to the to to being a little bit more left but like no it's it's there's there's some that are shifting there's some that are shifting pretty far right and i i i don't know if i'm curious to see if my generation's gonna do that because um what are they talking about with millennials it's like we've seen the entire system fail us so many different times and it's like well like why what do we fight like we can't can't own a home can't the jobs aren't great like you guys gen x got you guys were like the last ones that had a really good kick at the can of the american dream or whatever they were the the last generation of you know you go to school get a job you you know you stay at a job yes you stay you got a good job you stay there as long as you can you get your retirement and stuff like that it's it's absolutely insane with the boomers like my dad he became a judge like in his early 30s early 30s like blew my mind like just like none of that doesn't happen anymore like no no one uh like law school like just anything like that it's like you you got to do 10 more years than your parents did at Mm -hmm. at least um and you're gonna get half as much and it's gonna get you half as far if you're lucky it's like it's either all going to collapse in on itself or it's going to have to do some kind of change. I'm I, one of the things I am happy about with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris is they understand that, that there's something festering and that needs to change. And the, the, the mistake Obama made was thinking that it was the right that needed to be catered and looked after and white people needed to be calmed down and, and like, okay, it's okay, white people. I'm not going to do too much. Uh, you know, like I'm, I'm, we're okay. Whereas, whereas Biden and Kamala are just like, you know what, white people, y'all are going to be fine. Y'all have been fine. Yeah. We got to, we, we fundamentally you're have to stay fine. Yeah. yeah. You're going to stay fine. And like, yeah. it's like this gentle balance that he's making with like, um, uh, like the police are a huge problem like and give like the unspoken thing i i i should figure out a way to do a bit on this because i don't think a lot of people realize just how many people there on january 6 were cops yeah off-duty cops or uh, like from all over they either were retired or are still employed and like i think about like how coups happen in other countries and it's usually the military that because the military's got all the big guns and everything but i think trump's coup i think it was a coup attempt and his military was the police because yeah. that's who he gave agency to brutalize black and brown bodies and and they knew that and that's one thing i've been really happy about uh with with uh uh and i think it was just this week that he did it all the the fbi investigations that are now being opened uh brianna taylor's uh, is getting an fbi investigation i I believe ahmed aubrey as well in georgia um and then literally as soon as the george floyd verdict came down they said okay now we're gonna do an fbi investigation on your police force Mm -hmm. uh in, in minnesota those used to happen under obama um but he pulled back on them because the Republicans are like, you're prosecuting white people. It's like, yeah, white people who murder black people and brown people. Like that's who, like it's, and, and also white people. They also kill white people too. It's like, it's, it's. Yeah. Um, when it's white people, it's usually like mentally. Um, yes. With mental health crises, abuse. poor. Yeah. 
yeah it, and and uh yeah and then with with black and brown people it's like whoever you got whoever like, yeah whoever, like it it's matter. it's um yeah. it's very unfortunate and i'm very happy that like uh it's like when the Flo- the floyd verdict came down the the thing i kept hearing was it's not justice it's accountability which is a step towards justice which mm-hmm. if we can at least get accountability yeah. like in the Biden years, I'd be very happy with that because right now it's like, uh, and, and, it's and it's, and it's not just the States. Like we have it's, it, it's these here problems too. here too. And, yeah. and uh, it, not just uh, to Ottawa, but Toronto and yeah. Montreal. It's like, it's everywhere. It, it's, and it, the thing that no one wants to talk about is like, it's part of their culture. Yeah. Like the police culture is they are taught to, to look at you and me and see threats yeah. as underlying threats that this is an underlying threat yes that needs to be like uh one of the things i like when i'm out with my kids is it puts me at a lower level of threat because there i am a father mm-hmm. like with two children small children and it's like okay this isn't a scary guy with his <laughs> shitty top knot haircut and like you know walking on his own like i get nervous sometimes when i go out and and me too. like like yeah and like i know as a woman you're nervous for other reasons Yeah, we're nervous like, already yeah i know <laughs> as a woman but like and on top of it because say when um those horrible stupid uh things came down um with oh we're giving the police uh authority to oh, stop yeah. you and ask you i was terrified yeah me too i, I, I still am terrified i was like i can't leave the house anymore because i'll get pulled over. i'll get pulled i was terrified I, I'm I am very like I you you know I'm an anxious person but I get I have been very scared to leave the city limits because the OPP said oh uh, like they were the only ones they're like yeah we're gonna enforce that yeah we're gonna do it yeah they, exactly yeah. every all the other police forces said no we're not doing that and the OPP was OPP. like no we're, we're we're gonna do it so we'll like it. literally I I'm afraid to go on the highway yes I'm afraid to leave the city limits. Uh, be- even though I know that they can stop you here in the city too, but like they usually don't come in here. Mm-hmm. But like I'm nervous as hell to like I see Tom, good old hiking Tom Hills going off to all these far flung <laughs> places, and I'm just like I- I'm like I don't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Like I, I want to go out to to Calabogie or all my other hiking spots that I went to last summer, but I'm just like, are they going to stop me? Yeah like and what's going to happen when and what's going to ha- exactly yeah. like like you look at um just uh what was it philando castillo or or the the the, the poor guy who died uh, was murdered excuse me just recently uh in minnesota like he was just out like just running errands like yeah you just don't yeah. know like and exactly. it's li- and it's literally like not even what kind of day you're having it's what kind of day they're having they're having exactly and the hostility and the thing that always because you probably saw the footage of the, I don't know his rank, but he was in his full uniform and um, the police wanted oh, the him ones out of the car. And Oh, yes, at the gas station. He was station. a lieutenant or something. And he was calm and he was like, like why are you stopping me? And, and the, police, the, the officer wanted nothing. And he, just the level of aggression. And he got pepper sprayed. The man got pepper sprayed. And so his eyes are burning. He's got his hands up, like, and he, and they're telling him to get out of the car. So he's trying to, like, feel yeah. his way. And he said, "I feel really afraid. I'm really scared to get out of this car right now." And the cops yeah. said, "Yeah, you should be." Like, and he, and he's like, he's in his full uniform, 
Uh, mm. I, re I remember hearing about that story that yeah. part of the reason he pulled over into the gas station is because he knew that there were cameras yes. everywhere and that it's well lit mm -hmm. and that there's other people around. And why, mm. why do black and brown people have to make those considerations when we're being stopped by the yeah. people who are supposed to protect us? Like mm -hmm. why? And, and like, exactly. like why, I'm, 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 I'm grateful that finally white people are waking up to like, oh yeah, there's a big problem here. Like they're, yeah. they're, it's been that way it's for been a very that way long all time. along, but they didn't, they, they didn't want to listen to us or they didn't want to acknowledge it. Well, it, it's, it was I think a it, whole, I think it's partly because, um, and, and I like, this is something that I like, one thing that was very helpful. And we talked about it, I, like when Trevor's pad was doing the, the whole, the, the George Floyd stuff when all that was happening we had discussions about like where, where did policing come from and like in, slave patrols exactly yeah in the states that's exactly mm -hmm. how it started and I had no idea yeah. no we're not that was something that I discovered last year too I, yeah. like I didn't know that well and yeah. and like the origins of policing here is the Mounties and they were not to not to slave patrol but to specifically yeah. uh, commit genocide and uh oppress indigenous people yes. like that was their function then and mm -hmm. they're carrying on that proud tradition now like mm -hmm. unfortunately like they they um i shouldn't say proud tradition but they're carrying on what they i'm sure see as a proud tradition now but like it's it's just like these systems are this way because that's how they were they designed. Were yeah. yeah. And like, you can, you can, you can say whatever diversity initiatives you can have. Like, I feel really bad for the chief of police here, like Peter Soley, like he's, he's an African Canadian man. And like, uh, uh, he's in charge, or I shouldn't, I shouldn't say African Canadian, like he's Caribbean descent. I, I don't know. He, he black. he's a black, <laughs> let's say black. Yeah. Yeah. A black, black, a black man. And he's in charge of the, the, the precinct. And like, the stuff that comes out the leaks that come out about how the officers talk about him it's like he's he's an accomplished person mm -hmm. he's he he got to the rank he did yeah. um through whatever skills he has either as an officer or playing the political game that it takes to get ahead in the police officer like yeah. in the in the police department uh he deserves a level of respect as your commander and mm -hmm. they just it just you can just tell it bothers the hell out of them and like they the, that one video of the ottawa police officers talking in that person's carport of like essentially talking about white replacement theory that you hear like on on like the alt-right websites it's like guys that's uh there's a reason why those ways of thinking take root in in the police force it's not because um well I think maybe it's partially because the the job of a police officer attracts that that yeah, type of person. It's not really people who want to help; it's people who want power. Yes, and authority, yeah. and I mean, hey, it pays great, but but also, <laughs> and, and yes, it's a risky job. Mm -hmm. But like, uh, I think there have been studies as like retail workers are killed at a higher rate than police officers. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, it's it's a risky job. It's yes. not the riskiest job. They're compensated very well for it but like also it also attracts like you said the people who are just want that that power and authority and, and want to um, torment people or yeah you know <laughs> have a chip on their shoulder yeah and th that want to take it out on on black and brown bodies and it's not um because uh, i find it infuriating like 
It's always, I feared for my life. And the person was unarmed, was walking away from them. Yeah. You know, but then meanwhile, like say January 6th, heavily armed, like patriots protesting, (laughs) openly aggressive, not one shot fired. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I saw a picture. This wasn't from February 6th. This was another, uh, like some, uh, some gathering, I think it was in Michigan or something. And one of the protesters was like charging at the police officer with his hand on his gun. Yeah. Not one shot, not one shot. I reached for a pack of gum. I would have been blown away. Yeah. Well, they, they like, look at uh, all of the, um, like the one that just blows my mind is that uh, Dylan Roof guy, like the the, the one who who killed all those poor people in the The church church. prayed with them prayed with them i'm i'm sure they knew something was wrong like with that man yeah. and then he kills all of them and they not only arrest him without incident they take him out oh and like hey i'm not for torturing somebody to making no, sure they don't exactly, eat exactly. but like patting him on the back you know being so it, gentle with him yeah and... <laughs> put put him in a room give him some food let him eat let him you want to give him bathroom King, bring it yeah. to him right right yeah yeah there's no there's no like went through the (laughs) drive-thru yeah exactly like it's just like they they can they can do it they can they can treat people with humanity if they want to they just don't want to to. they don't want to what about um i think that police chief resigned but um from a couple of weeks ago in atlanta that guy who um went after i think he murdered like nine asian american women i think yeah, he had and a sex like, addiction. It blamed it like, oh, it's I have a sex addiction and da 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 da. And then the police chief was like, he was just having a bad day. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. It, it, it's really when <laughs> when uh when white people have a bad day, uh, they make it everyone's bad day. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's it's a there was a joke I did on Twitter lately. I was saying how. Um, like the usual ways of the way men deal with their emotions haven't been working for me. So like I exercise, not helping my mood. Um, uh, I can't do stand up, which is another thing I like, and I'm not really interested in committing horrible acts of violence. So it's like, really like, what are my choices? Well, right are choices but like, that's, I mean, it, there's been a discussion coming for a long time about um, how men deal with emotions and, and process things. And um there's a part of it that's universally male across across race, but then there's there's a big question and conversation that needs to be had about what's going on with white white guys. That's been happening now, like since I was 15, because that's when Oklahoma City happened. Since then, mm-hmm. it's been like when my senior year of high school, Columbine, uh, and and then every year after that, like. We, we had a, a brief moonlighting spell of Islamic terrorists, but it's been mainly <laughs> the DC snipers were, were black. Right. You know, so. Well, and it, it's been, it's been like, uh, just after that, just, it's just been like more and more. It's like, and it's always the lone wolf, the bad day, mm-hmm. the bad upbringing. He made a bad choice. Yeah. Like every excuse in the world's made for these guys who mm-hmm. commit these horrible, horrible tragedies. Yeah. And, and at, at the under, and, and in fairness to those those individuals who commit these horrible crimes, there's usually underlying mental health problems yes. that that America especially has no time for and does not do anything to help people with. And you wonder a lot, like I think a lot about, especially having children, I think a lot about Sandy Hook 
and how yeah. um, that 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 boy was clearly disturbed. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a lot of sympathy for whatever he was going through that made him commit that horrible act because yeah. you can tell he was unwell. There was something wrong. Yeah, something wrong with him. His mother did absolutely nothing to help. It, 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 and, and it seems like her conduct only exacerbated it from what and then finally culminated like he she was the first one he killed yeah before. it was so, rage against her rage against know? her and and existence and then just yeah uh but still it's like you know i, I mean for that one it was very hard for them to spin the oh he's a bad day like you kill a bunch of especially white kids all in in rural connecticut it's like you, you know but like, yeah, th that's part of the reason like why I'm I'm very glad I don't live there anymore. Like I I I think about I think about if I will go back to the states, but I I and like I I do feel safer here than I do there. Mm. I, I, like just even when I go back to visit, I get nervous. Like it's like the the guns are everywhere, yeah. and I grew up in a household with lots of firearms like my stepdad was a bounty hunter like he carried a nine millimeter on him but like the more the older i get the realize we were an exception because he taught me at a very early age these are not toys when you're angry you do not pick one of these yeah. up and, and like he took me hunting i saw what guns did like it's like i i, I remember <laughs> how i knew i was not a gun person and he knew too he gave me like this little this little firearm and there's a there's a rabbit running off and he's like go ahead shoot him and like i'm just crying just oh. shooting off like i think i was seven eight years old and it's like it was at that point where it's like oh i'm a gatherer no i'm not a hunter um yeah i'll go i'll go pick up seeds and nuts and things but like the shoots and leaves and yeah yeah i think it like in in the in the if we were living in in uh, olden times i would probably be like a trapper like where i didn't have to be directly yeah. involved you just go pick but up just set throat. up a little thing i'll come back later it's it'll be dead already like that kind of deal like i just i you know i'll take it to the butcher guy the butcher guy will take care of it i'll just be the trapper guy but like i just don't uh like i it never interested me and i just never really saw a a need for uh participating in in u.s gun culture like hey yeah. you know what though I'll I go, I'll go to a firing range and I'll 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 shoot whatever you had at a, a target. It's fun as hell. It's really fun. I, 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 yeah. That's what I've heard, and I I, I would like it's, to try it. Like I've never handled a gun or it's anything. Really, it's I think really I would fun. like it. <laughs> one, one of my one of my favorite memories when I lived in Los Angeles was uh, right, right next to LAX. There's the LAX firing range, not outside because they don't want you shooting at planes, but it's <laughs> an in, it's an indoor indoor place. And like they got the 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 structures and like LAX is right next to Inglewood, which is a very African uh, American centered neighborhood, and Compton's right next to it too. So like uh, huge African American population around there. And I remember going in there, and we're shooting our nine millimeters, and there's these two small black ladies, like like maybe like thirties, forties, and they're like five two, five five three. And they're dressed very nicely, and they're just having the time of their lives, shooting these massive shotguns. And you just see them—they just go boom, and it just like kicks their shoulder back. And, back, and then they just start laughing hysterically. 
and it was just like look at the joy like it's just and it's true like i get why people like guns they're yeah. fun to shoot like it's a uh, and you probably and, get some kind of release when you're doing it you like do. in a safe controlled environment you get you yeah. there's so you, here's the thing that i think uh we who are not gun people don't realize is uh, simone i'll ask you a question when you go up and you do stand up you get a rush of adrenaline right yes right and i do too and yeah. especially when you do well and you get that that crowd going with you that's what gun people get when they shoot guns is they okay. get that rush of adrenaline that makes that kicks the part in their brain to make them feel good and i think that's the thing that's like we don't understand was like well, why do you want to go kill things it's not the killing thing i mean that's probably part of it for some people but like it's just the the power the and power, you're exercising yeah. that power and it and yeah. it and it does something for them and uh um yeah it's it's a <laughs> to quote quote rick james it's a hell of a drug <laughs> it's a hell of a drug like adrenaline and and that's where they get it from and um maybe the thing that we have to think about with with like uh, the the gun nuts and the the afraid uh people who go and shoot and commit horrible things is where to redirect them because because you know what hey they deserve their shot of adrenaline too but like let's get them something a, a better hobby i i don't know like i yeah. i i don't have a problem with guns if you uh like i think you should be able to shoot whatever the hell you want at a at a gun range i think they, they should have assault with it hey ak-47s you want to shoot an ak-47 you go down to yeah, a big to big ed's gun yeah. range out in, in arm prior and you can shoot a bazooka if you want to at a hillside that's what i think would be great for people to exercise that but like with the u.s uh just like everyone should have assault rifles it's like no like it, the thing that i always find funny about conservative thought is like you're not responsible enough to be able to do to know what to do with welfare checks like don't they don't know what they're doing they don't give them money they'll just spend it on things they don't understand but you're but people can handle assault rifles yeah. okay like how does that make any sense like you don't trust people to have the responsibility to pay money but then or to, to give them money but you, you think they can handle something that can kill 12 15 kids in an, yeah. in an hour or in, yeah. in, in a minute in minutes like, yeah it's it's like um, it just never made sense. And that was the thing that was like with growing up with a responsible gun owner father or stepfather was um, I, I realized we were not the norm. Like that's not the norm that, that the way he raised us to respect and, uh, and understand like, and the, understand the, 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 the implications. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not normal. Like he, he, that's one of the things I was really disappointed when I first found out about the NRA, I was like, Oh, it's for responsible gun ownership. Nope. That's not what they're about. No, It'd be great about, if they were. You can have a gun and you should be able to have a gun. It has yeah. nothing to do with safety or. And like, uh, I remember, I remember like talking to my friends who became members. I'm like, what did you have to do? And like, you just signed up. I'm like, you don't even have to take a course, like, like to teach you how to like, that should have been their number one thing is like, Hey. Yeah. The advocacy for safety. Yeah, you 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 may have the right to own it it doesn't give you the right to be careless with it like like you should have locks mm -hmm. uh like that's the thing that you hear all the time in the states is like kids getting into a cabinet they know where it is or they know where the key is and then they it. shoot shoot their brother in the head it's yeah. like it's that happens all the time in the states and it's like that should be uh like if i was in charge of the nra i'd be like hey you know what 
let's let's make that our number one issue like like number two issue is the second amendment thing but number one let's stop getting kids to shoot them like shooting themselves or their family members let's Mm -hmm. promote locks if you're an nra member you get a free lock for your for your for your gut like just things like simple stuff like that or something yeah yeah it's 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 just like it's such a broken at the end of the day it's such a broken country uh, and and i i i really i hate it because i i love so much about california the state and I love so much about different parts of the states, uh, like places I've been, but there is a sickness there that I, I, I want to say one thing that's made very, so like we are talking about George Floyd earlier and like the history, the history of the United States has been something that I've started looking at other sources for because I got the version I got in school, which is not, yeah. not the version totally, that actually yeah. happened workers but, not slaves they're workers yeah yeah <laughs> and the the indigenous people showed us how to live here really did yeah. they did that would happen but like exactly but just finding out like just hearing different like the the book i keep talking about on um on the the trevor's pad is the history of the united states by howard zinn which is very much a leftist perspective and and uh now I've transitioned more into like the, the 20th century where it's talking a lot about workers and, and but just the origins of, of the United States and Canada and Mexico and, and the, the whole colonial history is like, we're still very much living that. that. That is, we have not moved past those roots and the violence and the blood that, that this country, the United States, all, all, North and South America is all yeah. built on blood and yeah, all colonialized areas. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember, I remember like as a, as a Latin American person, uh, one of the best classes I ever took in university um, was the history of Africa. And I, it was in summer school and cause it was in summer school, the way they taught it was like uh, max two classes a term. Cause it's intensive. Like you're in class three hours a day. Oh, and wow. it was and it was taught by this uh gorgeous nigerian man gorgeous uh he had he had the darkest skin i have ever seen in my life like he and he was so nice so kind um and he taught it and every day i walked out of that class just 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 drained emotionally drained of of how similar the experience of, like cuz what they did to africa they didn't then did to latin america like that 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 they 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 learned what they did and then they brought it over there somewhere else yeah yeah and and like in in certain cases with africa like some of those powers the colonial powers in africa didn't make it all the way to like the belgians the horrors that they committed in in africa never they never took a foothold in the united states or in, in the americas but like the portuguese did they they learned what they did in africa and and all and other ones adopted it too so like um but just hearing uh just the horrendous things that happened there and like seeing now that the and appreciating the older i get like the similarities that happen between uh black people and and latin american people and indigenous people it's like it's all it's all related and it's all part of this this past that we should all understand is like um 
it's part of the it, real history yeah it, and it's part of us it's part of our identities and it's part of like yeah anyway i know this is really straight far from comedy but like <laughs> you gotta laugh uh yeah no it's it's been uh yeah it, it's it's, it's been uh, a year let's say <laughs> year it's been a year and it's been a, i think one thing i'm grateful for with with this year is it's giving me a lot of time to uh reflect on uh, um how we got here yeah as as a society and and like and like just watching our government and institutions fail us at every turn and and Mm -hmm. and then and then you you take a look and you realize this is by design that that they're they're you know they really don't care like Mm -hmm. it's it's and it's It's working uh, the way it was intended working the way it was intended and like they've and it happened in the states too like they take care of business first and then the people later like like i think today the 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 report came out about ford and the long-term care homes about literally he announces we're going to put an iron ring around old people and then they did nothing nothing for and then three thousand something uh elderly people in long-term care homes all died it's like uh, one thing that's made made very clear to me at least is that we're on our own at the end of the day we're on our own and that's one thing that i would like to adopt from conservative thought is the self-sufficiency uh, uh, that they espouse but don't actually follow but they say they do but just like the the, the, the fact that like really at the end of the day you got to make sure like you can take care of yourself and your family because the government ain't necessarily going to come and help you it'd be great if we had a system that did, but like, that's one of the things I do like about leftist organizing is there's a lot of uh, mutual aid organizations that have popped up over the last year to be like, look, you're, you're someone struggling. We're going to put the call out. Everyone's going to throw in five bucks and we're going to make sure you're okay. And it's your community coming Mm -hmm. to help you. And, and that was one thing that, um, uh, again something that conservatives say but don't actually do is like well the federal government's not going to help you You have to focus on state and local because that's where the rights are and thing but like really those officials aren't going to help you either it it's it's the it's your neighbors it's it's like it's the people who are in your community in your community and like comics like like we rally around Mm -hmm. each other to to get each other through this period of not being able to express ourselves Mm -hmm. and um that's one thing I like about Trevor's Pat to try and bring it back. Cause I know we've gone long with comedy <laughs> is like trying to show with this horrible time we're all enduring where everyone's failing us at every part of the ways that we at least have a space where we can find community because that is at the end of the day, one of the things I've loved the most about doing comedy is meeting other broken people. Um, sorry. Gonna, uh, but just meeting people that like have the same struggles and have the same um, twisted outlook on life, and it's yeah. been nice doing and, and and having a place where we can still come together and make fun of each other and and uh, have those times where it's like it's like how it used to be, yeah. and uh, just forget for a little while. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's that's I, I said the same something very very similar to uh to Trevor when I spoke to him last week 
And I said, you know, I've been watching since the beginning and I always feel, I feel like safe. Yeah. You know, it's like, I could be like freaking out, really anxious, you know, something's on the news. And my first thing is like, oh, I can't wait to see, to hear what, what they've come up with about X, Y, Z or right, yeah. this topic. <laughs> what Trevor's going to say about Doug Ford <laughs> What's today. What's Trevor going to say about this sort of thing, yeah. you no, know, it, and that and it's, it's, it's been, and I'm sure a lot of people who, who watch it, that's why we keep coming back because it's, it's just, since we can't do it in person anymore, we're not doing, able yeah. to do the things we, the way we used to do it. This is our way of doing it. it it's, it's know? the, it's a someplace to bring a, a sense of community. Yeah. And, and it's been, uh, it's been a God, like literally like there's some days where it's like, I don't know how I'm going to make it through a day. And then we do like a stream like this, or I'll do my show or I'll do Trevor's path. Yeah. And I feel okay yeah. afterwards. And it's like, it, you realize the thing you're missing is this contact with like, yeah. we're not we're, again, to get back to the, the the community aspect is we're not meant to live in these uh, yeah in isolation isolation separated it, yeah yeah it, it, and and that's um, to kind of tie it back to our conversation about <laughs> uh, uh, the way the United States was and everything like I don't want to say racism was invented but racism was very much pushed on as a way to separate people to not have them realize that. You and me, Simone, or, or Trevor, or whoever color you want to think of, we're all the same. We all feel the same things. Mm -hmm. We all want safety, the security, love, like companionship. Yeah. Like we all want these same things. But you put the you put the you put the divider up of like, well, that person's black, that person's brown, that person's white, that whatever. Like you you create those divisions as a way to control people. And yeah. and and uh that's that's what uh, like the, that history of the world with Howard Zinn talks about how like they figured that out very early the, mm -hmm. the the capital class of like hey we can't have these people all like because when you actually leave people on their own they were they were uh, they work stuff out they yeah and, out. and and they had families together and like they built communities together it's like no 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 we cannot have that like you so like. Yeah. It, it, so anyway, to, for comedy's sake, I I like that we um, try and create something, some yeah. s sort of space. But I've I've co-opted your show with just an hour and a half of rambling. <laughs> no, so this was um, great. No, no. Yeah. No, I had a good time. Sorry, yeah. I cried for a little bit. That's but, okay. Uh, I was I was I was there with you because I yeah. felt that too. Because that's like I started this show last May, like yeah, almost a year ago for the same reason. Because I was so I felt so sad, so depressed, so isolated. And I was like, you know, I was still fairly new in the community, just getting to know people, just like getting momentum and then er, everything's gone. And I was yeah. like, but I still want to, I still want to nurture those connections that I, that yeah. I made. I still want to talk to people and see people and interact and with people. So build, build community with them. Yeah. It's, so it's, that's yeah. how that's how that got started, you know? And, yeah. and I was like, I like it. It's fun. It's, mm -hmm. you know, like to talk, I like to talk to people and catch up with people and see how they're doing. And you like to shoot the breeze with them. I like to shoot the breeze with people. Exactly. You know? And I think, um, um, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing if, you know, when people want to 
you know, promote inclusion and, and community and like try and maintain that. Yeah. You know, yeah, in this weird, weird thing world. that we're, <laughs> you know, yeah. that, you know, I, we're I, trying to maintain community in a really weird and awkward uh, situation. You know? And it's, it's going to be weird to see where it's all going after. Yeah. Because I, I, I mean, we've already, I know they're looking for another place for yucks, but we've, we've technically lost yucks. Like yeah. it, it, for now, we just have absolute and like mm -hmm. who, the, the restaurants and bars that we had our open mics at, we've already lost Wellington Eatery. Yeah. That was our, that was the Friday night show. And like, yeah. I, I cut my teeth there for, for yeah. my first starting out. Um, that's one of the hardest rooms in the city. Um uh, <laughs> And like, hopefully Swizzle is still there. There'll be other rooms, I'm sure. And like, mm -hmm. I, I, I have fantasies that we're going to go to a golden age of live performance yes. and, and people going out because yes. I, people yeah, I are- I believe that that's going to happen. There's going to be a I renaissance mean, and a- You look at what happened with uh, 1918, 1919 pandemic, right afterwards was the Roaring Twenties. Now let's not pay attention to what came after that, but but still, just the like, roaring part. The twenties, yeah, like, but like, yeah, Great Gatsby, you yeah, know, woo. like, dead guy in a pool. But yeah, we, like you have, uh, sorry, spoilers for anyone who hasn't read hasn't seen, seen the Gatsby. movie or, or read the book. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm hopeful that that um, that we're going to, and also I'm hopeful that these digital ways of expressing ourselves will still be um maintained because yes. um there's still a market for it and uh uh i have kids half the time so i can't go out but i can put them to bed and i can still do this so, yeah. like it's it's and you know uh it's nice to have just another thing to do like uh, as you know comedy's a, a nighttime thing and here yeah. we are in the daytime talking the daytime. So, <laughs> so it's nice to have that other kind of uh to diversify. I think that's one thing that I really am appreciative from a comedy wise perspective for, for all of us is it's yeah. taught us all. We need to diversify yes. what we do uh, yes. to quote, to quote uh, Wu-Tang Clan investments. Uh, you need to diversify your portfolio. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I think that's what he said. And then I think he said a word I can't say, but, uh, <laughs> but, but like from that Chappelle show skit, but like you, you gotta, you gotta fit, you gotta get, you have to find different, time investments like uh yeah. comedy That's and true. writing and i still i still have those things like i told you the joke about the white people and their sins like that's a new joke there's other ones too that i'm very anxious to do on stage uh mm -hmm. or looking forward to doing on stage but there's also stuff i want to do online and, yeah, and digital same. ideas i have so it's it'll be um yeah i, I hope uh hope we have a uh I hope we have a safe summer, but I'm looking forward to a vaccinated fall. And uh, yes. One, yes, one of the new jokes I had is, uh, I'm, and this came up with talking with comics I, with like Jen LaBelle and, and Rob Pugh and a couple others. And they were like, yeah, it's going to be crazy when everyone's vaccinated, right? I'm like, yeah, it's going to, I'm going to go wild, like even more when, uh, than I did when I got my HPV vaccine. Um, just, <laughs> just, just everywhere. But yeah, just no, like buck wild. just <laughs> buck wild. I got, I got COVID. I got HPV vaccine. We're ready I'm to go. Covered, come spit exactly. in my mouth. <laughs> that, yeah. That's all you can get. Right. Uh, but yeah, apparently, I don't know if you heard about this, but apparently that's uh, in Florida there's a huge syphilis problem uh 
wonder why, but like, you know, like this is, uh, I think the, the, the next part of the pandemic that's coming is going to be that, but Hey, you know what? At least we'll all have a good time. Hopefully exactly. we won't be lonely. Yeah, exactly. It'll be worth yeah. the STI. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you take antibiotics, you'll yeah, go home. Yeah, it's fine. Just get a shot, clear that right up. They'll yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's probably, probably a good place to end it. I'm guessing. Thank you so much. This thank was so this much. was an awesome conversation. This was I, I liked the way like where we went and what we, we went talked everywhere. about. Everywhere. everywhere. We went everywhere. <laughs> and this was uh this was fantastic. And tell us um like where we can find you. Tell us about Trevor's pad, yeah. um, embarrassing humans and where we can find you. So uh, I'm at Zopunny on Twitter and Instagram, um, and then Embarrassing Humans uh, on Facebook and Twitch. Uh, there's also an Instagram too, but I don't really update it that much. Uh, that's, uh, I think we're still working out when we're going to do it. We have a show tonight, May 1st. Uh, we're, I, we might do this Wednesdays and Saturdays, I'm thinking, if I'm going to do a regular schedule with it. Um, Trevor's Pad is, of course, Tuesdays and Fridays on Twitch and Facebook. I'm going to pressure him to move us exclusively to Twitch, uh, but we'll see how that works. Um, <laughs> other than that, yeah, hopefully see me trying to get open spots at uh, clubs because I was just breaking through as an opener, at the a paid opener before <laughs> things shut down. Shut down yeah. um, I'm, I'm working on my middle, so 20 minutes, um, and that's my next step. And then... Uh, then I become a Highway Seven uh, headliner after that, and uh, you know, get my get find some guy ten years younger than me to run my uh, online show after that. So. Show, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Come back anytime. Anytime we'll you do. want to promote anything or just just shoot just talk for two hours. Yes. Yeah, exactly. We'll do that. I'm I'm we'll I'm, that. I'm game. I'm game. We'll do that. Next time we'll cover the history of Southeast Asia, everyone. So we'll read up on that. Looking forward to it. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And take care, everybody. See you next time. Bye.